Unwritten contains mature language, content, and themes. Please listen with care. The tenth floor hallway of Elaine and Lita's high-rise apartment building is empty and silent, lit by dim, soft lights. The elevator door is closed. The numbers above the elevator show the car on floor one. The lights indicate the car ascending. Two, three, four, up to ten. The elevator doors open. Lita Rios is twenty-four, a grad student pursuing her MFA in studio art. She has slumped against the side of the elevator car. She looks as if she has been dressed for a night out, but her hair is mussed and her mascara streaks her cheeks. One spaghetti strap on her tastefully revealing dress is broken and hangs limply. A small clutch dangles from the strap around her wrist. Hugging herself tightly, Lita steps out of the elevator unsteadily. The heel of one shoe completely missing. She limps down the hall on the remaining heel. Lita stops in front of Unit Ten Twelve. Hands shaking, she opens her clutch and pulls out her keys. She tries to separate them to find the right one, but her fingers quiver too much. A door shuts further down the hall. Lita whips her head in the direction of a sound concerned. She turns back to the keys, frantically spinning them on the ring until she finds the right one. She twists it in the lock and pushes the door open with her entire body. Lita spills inside the apartment, nearly collapsing. She whirls around quickly, shutting the door and engaging both chain and deadbolt. The apartment is dark, obscuring all the furnishings. Even in the dark, Lita maneuvers carefully around the furniture with the experience of a resident and approaches Elaine's bedroom door. She puts one hand on the door and the other on the knob. She holds the knob for a while before releasing it, and quietly walking to the sliding glass doors leading out to the balcony. She stares out at the city through the glass. Lita moves across the apartment to her bedroom door. She enters her bedroom, quietly shuts the door, and immediately collapses against it. She hugs her legs to her chest, rests her head on her knees, and sobs. Got it all. It's just unwritten, not putting it off. Just trying to figure it out. If what I say comes to fruition, with these words I can't play around. Walking on a wire. Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten, starring Luna Madison, Jordan Lopez, David Senator, Zach Duncan, Adrian Miller, and I'm Sean Gunther. Also starring Emily Kallenberg, David Gaylor, Shira Thomas, Hope Izell, Joe Oliveri, Trey Craggett, Thomas Puckett, and Dodie Lockwood. Episode one: A Way You'll Never Be, written and directed by Chris Burnside. Elaine Harper is twenty-five, a grad student who studies and teaches English. She walks with Lita through the lush courtyard of a large Midwest university. Both are wearing bright orange T-shirts that read "Ally and Proud." In the distance, they see a large crowd gathered. Lita looks at the crowd, then turns to Elaine. How long do we have to stay? Just for a little while. Come on, Lita. It'll be fun. I know you don't believe that. Do so. 
Elaine, the last time you said anything was fun was last year when you tried to read all of Jane Austen's books in one weekend. We're going to support Chelsea. It's her first big event. And I did read them all. Chelsea's your best friend. Why exactly am I going? To keep your roommate company. You know that only works on her, right? Come on, we've lived together for two years. When do I ask you to do anything? Literally every time you hang out with your friends. And how often is that? Fair enough. Besides, I don't teach for another hour, and you don't have class until the afternoon. Because you don't have anything better to do? Like start your thesis that's due this term? Hey, I've started it. It doesn't count until you start the topic you actually intend to finish. You decide which topic you'll abandon next. Elaine lowers her eyes and watches her feet as she walks. Sorry, I've had a rough couple weeks. Elaine doesn't look up. It's fine. Yeah. The two approach a large gathering of college students. Each wears a shirt similar to Elaine and Lita's, with different colors for gay and proud, lesbian and proud, bisexual and proud, and transgender and proud. Chelsea Wu is 26, a recent employee of the university. She stands on a platform at the front of the crowd. She wears a lesbian and proud shirt and speaks into a microphone to the crowd. Thank you to everyone here from the LGBTQ community, and thank you to all the allies from across campus. The crowd cheers happily. We've been planning this Pride Day for months, and the turnout and support you've shown at this first event has been overwhelming. After today's events, we'll watch tonight become tomorrow with open mic, drinks, and dancing tonight at Splendor. So get those angsty slam poems ready. Everyone wearing a Pride shirt gets in free. Lita studies Elaine's neon orange shirt. So many options to wear tonight with that shirt. However, will you choose? That reminds me, could I borrow your turquoise and chartreuse leggings? Lita recoils sarcastically. It bites back. Elaine blushes and looks away for a second. Occasionally. You don't even know what chartreuse is. The purple one? You know that you're barely a girl, right? Of all the places to be complicit in your own gender suppression. Lita makes a show of rolling her eyes while smiling. On the platform, at the front of the crowd, Chelsea continues her speech. It's a great day to be yourself without shame or judgment. The crowd cheers again. As they cheer and whoop, Elaine tenses her shoulders and looks around nervously. Crowd bothering you? I'm okay. Elaine narrows her eyes as she scans the crowd. Unbelievable. Lita turns and looks to see Greg, a college freshman and another student, wearing pride shirts that they've altered with tape and markers to say normal and proud. Dicks. The short one's my student. Lita shakes her head in frustration. Nothing matters. What? Lita gestures to the crowd. This. It doesn't matter. All these allies. Flavor of the day. This parade is their Friday morning entertainment. Tomorrow, they'll show up to some event about free love or saving the whales. You're an old soul. So today they're allies. So what? Tomorrow, they get to go back to being privileged. But the gay kids will still be gay tomorrow. Lita turns as she waves towards the crowd. Gerald Wagner, a handsome college dean in his early 50s, strides confidently through the crowd towards Chelsea. They'll be gay all year. Parades don't matter. Words don't matter. They just... Lita stares into the crowd. Fade away. We're here, though, Lita. It matters to us. Yeah, I guess. Sorry, I should go. Just wait for Chelsea to finish. No, you stay. Congratulate her. Chelsea waves towards Gerald, who stands beside the platform. And now, I'd like to welcome one of the most beloved figures on campus. Lita forces a smile for Elaine. Tell her I said this was nice. Lita turns and walks away. Elaine watches her leave, concerned, then turns back to Chelsea. One of the most supportive allies on campus, and also my boss, Dean of Students, Gerald Wagner. The crowd cheers. Gerald steps up to the microphone and shakes Chelsea's hand. He smiles and waves to the crowd. Thank you, LGBTQ students and allies. And special thanks to Miss Chelsea Wu. 
You're really setting a high bar in just your first year as our LGBTQ coordinator. The crowd cheers again. Chelsea smiles and steps down from the platform. She walks through the crowd towards Elaine. LGBTQ coordinator. That's a thing now. The crowd laughs. It's a thing we should have had a long time ago. Ernest Hemingway steps up to stand just behind Elaine. He's dressed in a vintage collared shirt with suspenders, looking as he did in his later years with a full beard. Garish. No clothing should be that color. Elaine doesn't turn or even look over at Hemingway. They make a statement. Art makes a statement. That color shouldn't exist. Well, these lurid shirts are getting us into a bar for free tonight, so... Really? I'm trying to listen to the dean. You seem pretty pissed at that little shit who defaced his shirt. I could beat the tar out of him if you like. Elaine grins, then suppresses it. Maybe later. Suit yourself. Hemingway raises a flask to his lips and takes a pull. Chelsea emerges from the crowd and hurries to Elaine. Hemingway is nowhere in sight. Laney! Chelsea hugs Elaine, who wraps one arm around Chelsea and squeezes lightly. They separate. You were great. This is all great. You think? Entirely. Look at this crowd. You do realize it's a Friday at 9 a.m. on a college campus, right? Excellent point, my dear. Chelsea surveys the crowd. Where did Lita go? I know I saw her. She had to go. She's been mopier than usual lately. You know that negative energy isn't good for you. You can always stay with me if you need a break. Elaine studies her feet intently. I know. Chelsea looks at the crowd. They stand awkwardly as Gerald continues to speak. But this parade isn't just for us. We march for all the other LGBTQ students on this campus and any other who don't feel comfortable sharing who they are. We march to make a better environment so they can be proud too. Chelsea grins as she listens. He's pretty fantastic. Elaine looks up and smiles. Yeah, he seems really cool. He's a great boss. And cute. Elaine gives her a sideways look. I'd hit that. Elaine scrunches her face. Aren't you forgetting something? He is my boss. Is that sexual harassment? Elaine points at Chelsea's lesbian and proud shirt. What? You know what they say. Women experiment in college. One. Elaine points to Gerald. Boss. Two. She points to Chelsea. Gay. Three. Working at a college in no way constitutes being in college. Four. The entire concept of experimentation is really an artificial construct designed to divorce women from the power of their own sexual identities by building on the notion that they don't even know what they really... Chelsea puts her fingers against Elaine's lips, shushing her. You have a very big brain. And I was only kidding. Elaine turns her head so Chelsea's finger is no longer against her lips. What they really want from sex. There. I'm done. And I knew you were kidding. Sure you did. Yes, um. Besides, Dean Wagner's probably married. I think he's divorced? I don't know. It's never really come up. Relationship status? Ambiguous. Kind of like somebody else. Wow. Three whole minutes before you brought up August. You practiced that restraint all week. Chelsea just stares at her. It would be great if you could put all that effort into helping me come up with a new thesis topic. Sweetie, I have known you for almost 20 years. I know when you're deflecting. Is it a deflection when you're not even trying to be subtle? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. You're the English teacher. Who has to get to class now? Now that is a classic Elaine deflection. Elaine curtsies. I'll be here all week. And by here I mean my office. And... By all week, I mean 24-7 till I finish this thesis. Yeah, yeah, go work, but you're coming to Splendor tonight. I didn't hear a question mark. It was a command. Imperative form, mistress of grammar. The imperative form would actually... Go make words, then make pretty, then make drinks and dancing. I only ever make one of those. Elaine grins and turns away. Chelsea watches her go before turning back to clap for Gerald. Elaine stands rigidly at the front of her classroom at a lectern. Hills like white elephants and Hemingway are written in cursive on the board behind her. 
the class of freshmen watch with varying interest levels, ranging from non-existent to slightly above mild. Greg is one of the students, still wearing his defaced pride shirt. Sarah and Rena are also students in the class. So why would the characters speak in such vagaries? Why not speak directly? The students shift a little but make no attempt to answer the question. Some avert their eyes so as to avoid being called upon. What's the point of being so unclear? Again, no one answers. Greg puts his head down to rest on the desk. Don't you like it when you can understand what someone's talking about? Rena raises her hand. Elaine points to her. Yes. Exactly. Of course you do. Care to elaborate? Rena looks around, as if to question whether Elaine is still talking to her. Elaine nods. I like to understand what people are saying, because otherwise I'd be confused. Yes. And? And... I don't like to be confused? Elaine stares for a moment before continuing. Of course not. Nobody wants to be confused. But why would these characters be so vague? Do you think they're confused? No one responds. The characters know what the conversation's about, right? The students just stare at her. I mean, we know what it's about, right? Most of the students fidget or look away. A few students have nervous grins. Is this just one of those things that everyone knows but doesn't like to acknowledge? Greg, what do you think? Greg sits up straight. About what? What do you think they're talking about in the story? Greg looks past Elaine to the board and reads the title of the story. Probably elephants? A few students chuckle. Greg is encouraged by their reaction. That are white? Flustered, Elaine turns red. Yes, yes, that's very funny. Like the hills, which are also white? I'm thinking from snow. Many other students laugh. Do you think it snows much in Barcelona? I don't know. I don't remember the history of Barcelona being part of the assignment. Several students raise their eyebrows and look to Elaine. Elaine surveys the students who are all waiting for her comeback to Greg's insolence. The assignment was to read the story and actually understand it. Sarah, fed up and ready to move on, raises her hand. Elaine nods to her. The woman in the story is pregnant and they're discussing abortion. She's trying to gauge how much he cares about her. That's exactly right. Thank you, Sarah. The rest of you need to dig deeper. Discover the meaning behind the words. Most people don't say what they mean all the time. That's all for today. The students gather their things. On her way out, Sarah pauses at the lectern. Can I apologize for all teenage boys, Miss Harper? They're so immature. Elaine smiles softly. It's not your place to apologize, Sarah, but thanks. Sarah heads for the door, along with the other students. Elaine waves to Greg as he is leaving. Greg, a moment of your time? Greg walks up to the lectern. I have to get to class. Just a moment. You should take off that shirt. Someone might find it offensive. Why? You know why. You're not stupid. So you want me to take off my shirt? And if I don't, I'm stupid? I didn't say anything like that. This shirt is my free speech. With a sharpie? Free, sharpie, speech. Elaine looks down at the lectern. You might offend someone. Look, I have to go to class. Elaine waves him on without making eye contact. Greg starts for the door. He pauses and looks back. Miss Harper, if you want to see me take my shirt off, all you have to do is ask. Elaine turns away, even more flustered, and collects her things. Greg grins and leaves the room. Campus Coffee Shop Lita sits at a table alone in the makeshift campus cafe, looking at her phone. A barista works behind the counter to make drinks. Other students work on their laptops or chat quietly. Lita looks at a series of text messages on her phone. The other party is Mike who sent the following messages. Hey, you looked hot last night. You still in the mood? Hello? Silent treatment. 
Really? Fine. Go to hell, slut. Lita has typed, Can we talk? but hasn't sent it. Her thumb hovers over the send button. She stares without moving. The barista sets a lidded cup on the counter. Lolita? Almond milk latte. Lita sighs in frustration. She deletes her text without sending it. Lita pockets her phone and approaches the counter where the coffee cup sits. Lolita is written on the cup in marker. I said my name was Lita. Oh, sorry. You could be my Lolita. Lita snatches the cup. That doesn't even mean anything. Read a book. Hey, chill. The barista points to the tip jar. You don't need the tip if you just give me a smile. Lita looks at the tip jar, then at the barista. Eat a dick. Whoa, seriously, babe. Lita grabs the tip jar, walks to the trash can, and tosses it inside. Hey! Lita takes the lid off her cup and pours the coffee into the trash can. She tosses the empty cup in after it. Merry fucking Christmas! Lita storms off. The barista watches her go, confused. It's February. Elaine's office. Elaine sits in her small, plain office at a computer desk. A pad of paper and a pen are on the desk. She stares at the pad, deep in thought. Can you believe the nerve of that kid? What did you do? Nothing that mattered. I should have beaten the tar out of that little shit. Elaine shakes her head and turns in her chair. She sees Hemingway sitting in a chair on the far side of her office. He's wearing a transgender and proud shirt with his suspenders. I can't take you seriously in that shirt. You're the one who said it was admission to a bar. I suppose I walked right into that one, didn't I? But why transgender? Hemingway shrugs. I don't even know what it means. Must have been after my time. What are you going to do about that kid? Greg? I don't know. Well, he's a moron. Everyone knows that story isn't actually about white elephants. They're a simile. You would know. Don't patronize me. I wasn't being obtuse. We all know what that story's about. We do know. It's about abortion. We still know. You should beat that kid's ass. Stand up for yourself for once. Violence never solves anything. Besides, he kicked my ass. An ass beating never hurt anyone. Elaine makes a face at him. Figuratively. Injury builds character. Have I ever told you about the two plane crashes I survived? I'm familiar. I once dropped a skylight on myself. That was because you were drunk. As usual. I've heard all of your stories already. You're supposed to be helping me with my thesis. Once killed a charging elk just before it gored me. <clears throat> Hung its horns in my cabin. Didn't Hunter S. Thompson steal those? Hemingway scowls and narrows his eyes. Thompson. None of this is helping me. The door opens and Professor Lincoln, a professor of women's literature, in her 60s and Elaine's advisor, steps just inside the office. Elaine swivels her chair to see Professor Lincoln. From Lincoln's position in the doorway, she can't see Hemingway. Professor Lincoln, hi. Hi, Elaine. How was the rally? I just saw the beginning. It was nice. Good. How was class? Elaine averts her eyes. Class was fine. Good. Any progress on the thesis? Still looking for a topic that speaks to me. Professor Lincoln nods rapidly. You've had quite a few of those already. Yes, but they all stopped speaking to me. Perhaps it's time to revisit one of them. I don't know. It feels like the right one's out there. I understand, but you told me that two weeks ago, after you decided to write about how the word feisty is misogynistic. It totally is. And a month ago, when you wanted to write about the phallic nature of the Pope's hat. The tall one, not the beanie. This goes back to your admissions interview when you told me that you wanted to research Bill Cosby as a family-oriented comedian. Very unfortunate timing. My point is, the time is running out, and you've started no less than ten projects without finishing any of them. I know. 
Pride Day kind of got me thinking about researching the history of the university's inclusion practices. At this point, I would be fine with you researching the history of the university's door frames. Let's meet on Monday to go over methods, okay? That sounds lovely. Thanks, Professor Lincoln. Professor Lincoln smiles and exits, leaving the door almost shut. Feisty is not misogynistic. Like you would know. I've known plenty of feisty women. You're now arguing both sides by yourself. Hemingway grins. I see where you're coming from. But I'm a feisty bastard, too. Not all points can be argued, but... But I'm supposed to be helping with your writing. Elaine nods. Okay. Here it is. This is important. Write this down. Elaine hurries to grab a pad of paper and pen from her desk. My name is Elaine, and all of my ideas are stupid. Elaine writes half of it before stopping and glaring at Hemingway. She tears the page from her pad, crumples it, and throws it at Hemingway. He takes the wad of paper to the face without reaction. (laughs) The history of the university's inclusion practices. What? It's interesting. Have you heard nothing I've said? The last thing I remember was you dropping a skylight on yourself. Hemingway leans back and smiles. The good old days. But how is that helpful? Kid, it isn't hard. But you're doing it all wrong. You're looking for subjects that are interesting. I shouldn't be interested in the topic? You're missing the point. Interests change. I had four wives, you know. You're interested in something, and then you're not. Lots of things interest artists like us. Artists like us? Well, we can't all be Fitzgerald, talented little Mick. You shouldn't use racial slurs. But you're not wrong about changing interests. Of course I'm not. Not wrong about that Irish bastard, either. So what? You weren't interested in war and death, because that's pretty much all you ever wrote about. Interest is irrelevant. Obsession is what matters. War and death nagged at me night and day, ate at me. I heard the gunfire in every creek and the cries in every breeze. Don't you see? I never had to choose a subject. My subject, rather, chose me. Not wanting to write. Needing to write. I get it. So there's only one thing to research. One thing to ask yourself. What eats at you, Elaine Hopper? Elaine turns her attention back to the pad of paper. She hovers the pen over the pad as if ready to write. She stares at the blank page. Her pen wavers lightly over it. Chelsea's office. The office is large for a coordinator, indicating both the relative importance of her position and the volume of work the new position handles. The desk is cluttered with papers, the books are arranged haphazardly on the bookshelf in no particular order, and LGBTQ posters paper the walls. Chelsea sits at her desk, typing rapidly on her computer. She doesn't notice Gerald enter, accompanied by Sarah, the student from Elaine's class. Gerald smiles as he watches Chelsea type, then knocks lightly on the open door. Chelsea jumps, startled. Didn't mean to scare you. Oh, no, you didn't. I mean, okay, yes, obviously you scared me because my butt actually left the seat for a second. Sorry again. Did you need something? Chelsea, do you know Sarah Kensington? Haven't had the pleasure. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Miss Wu. Nice to meet you. Sarah's a philosophy major and all-around superstar. Sarah blushes. Chelsea smiles warmly to relax her. You know, I taught philosophy before getting into administration. Where did I hear that from? Oh, right, from you, in every conversation we've ever had. Gerald turns to Sarah and grins, playing along with Chelsea's teasing. Chelsea's our LGBTQ coordinator. She's doing some wonderful work here. She's not normally so insubordinate. Sarah smiles. Speaking of wonderful work, shouldn't you be at the luncheon? I will be soon. I had that hazing case to follow up with. You realize that'll be here Monday, right? You've planned today for months. Go. Enjoy it. Okay, but I'm going to say that I just had to wrap things up, and then you'll make a comment about me working too hard, and I'll say that I feel like I'm not working hard enough, and then you'll say that I don't have to impress you. I'm very wise. Go. Make your event great. Thanks. 
Nice to meet you, Sarah. It's nice to meet you, too. Thanks for introducing us, Dean Wagner. No need for the formalities. Call me Jerry. Come on, I'll introduce you to Sydney, my TA. You'll get along famously. Chelsea nods along politely while reviewing what she's written on her computer screen. Uh, bye, Gerald. Bye, Sarah. Gerald shakes his head while chuckling. He knocks twice on Chelsea's door as he leaves the office, followed by Sarah. University Courtyard Lita sits on a bench outside the building that houses Chelsea's office. She is staring at her phone. Chelsea exits the building in a hurry. She catches sight of Lita and stops near the bench. Hey, Lita. Lita looks up and hurriedly pockets her phone. Hey. Between classes? If by between you mean skipping, then yes. Need a break? Lita averts her eyes. Something like that. Want to come to the Pride Luncheon at the rec center? We have sushi. I'm good. You sure? It's free with your shirt. Said I'm good. Cool. I'm not super hungry either. I could hang here and assist in your delinquency. Are you guidance counseling me right now? Just being friendly is all. Are we friends? Despite your best efforts, my dear. Lita cracks a smile despite herself. Thanks for that. I'm good now. Go to your luncheon, okay? Will do. I can expect you at Splendor tonight, yes? Don't push it. That was my one good mood for the day. At least come hang with Elaine. I'll be busy and you know how she is with clubs. And crowds. And people in general. I'll think about it. I'll, uh, see you around, Chelsea. Thanks. Chelsea waves and hurries off. Elaine and Lita's apartment building. The elevator door is closed. The numbers above it show the car on floor three and ascending. Four, five, six, up to ten. The elevator door opens. Elaine bursts forth from the elevator, moving quickly into the hallway as she talks on her phone. I said I will get there as quickly as possible, Chelsea. My thesis took priority. No, no topic yet. But I have a page full of ideas, so that's progress, right? Elaine reaches her door and fishes her keys from her pocket. I'm a grad student. Last minute is my specialty. Elaine unlocks and opens the door. She enters the apartment. The apartment opens into a small living area and transitions into a kitchen that accesses the balcony from a sliding glass door. It's meticulously furnished, but still maintains a cozy warmth. Lita stands at an easel in the middle of the living room. She holds a brush and takes careful, measured strokes as she works on the nearly completed painting. She's changed out of her pride shirt. Elaine places her keys on the small table beside the door, shuts and locks the door, and hurries towards her room, still talking to Chelsea on her phone. I'm home now. I just have to get ready. Out of here in ten. <laughs> Don't laugh, Lita. Don't laugh, Chelsea! I have to hang up. I'm hanging up now. Elaine hangs up her phone and sets it on the counter. Hey, Lita. Hey, yourself. You coming out tonight? Don't think so. I want to finish this. Elaine walks over and steadies the painting, a watercolor of cream swirling in a coffee cup. It's incredible. You think? Entirely. It's your best one yet. It better be. Elaine squints at the painting. She sees that the swirl in the cup resembles a contorted figure. That's a person in the coffee cream. Lita nods. It's Picasso's acrobat. I thought it looked familiar. Elaine studies the painting a bit more, then turns to Lita. Why don't you take a break? Come out to the club. You'll make it far more entertaining. Not tonight. I really need to finish. Elaine's downcast eyes reveal her disappointment. Okay. I understand needing to do something more important. Ease up on the guilt trip. I already have a Catholic mother. Sorry. I really mean it, though, about your art being important. Sometimes when it really calls to us, we need to finish it. Yeah, pretty much. It kind of demands to be painted right now. What's it about? It's kind of personal. I guess the cream is sort of like a scar on the coffee. It might disappear in time, but it will always be in there. That's intense. I like it. Why the acrobat? 
Lita looks away, blinks hard, then looks back. It just seemed appropriate. I don't know. I guess because art always endures. I like that. I was just thinking about that today. Yeah? I was teaching Hemingway and thinking about how these things he felt so passionately about are still here with us in his words. I never liked Hemingway. He is kind of a dick. Isn't he dead? Yeah. Yeah, it was a dick, I guess. Yeah. Well, my paintings, your writings, these things will be around long after we're gone. If we're lucky enough to have them preserved. Yeah. I guess somebody still has to care. You don't have anything to worry about. You're bonkers talented. I'm just a hack. Thesis going that well? I'm closer to something. I just need to find my passion. What are you passionate about? No idea. Seems a bit counterintuitive. I feel like I'm on the edge of a breakthrough. I know. You could title it, This Could Have Been About Bill Cosby. Why did I ever tell you that story? Last time I bring it up. I swear. Yeah, right. Elaine heads towards a room. I need to get changed. Keep talking. Elaine goes into her room. Lita keeps painting. At least you don't have to agonize over what to wear. Might I suggest some quiet pants to go with that loud shirt? Keeping it simple. Jeans and a t-shirt. Guys dig the girl next door thing. Tonight is so not about guys. August going to be there? Probably. Then tonight is about a guy. That's not why I'm going. It's why he's going. You and Chelsea. August and I aren't a thing. Does he know that? Elaine's phone buzzes on the counter. Someone's calling you. Probably Chelsea. Could you check? Lita walks over to the counter and looks at Elaine's phone. It's your mom. Oh. Let it go to voicemail. Lita shrugs and goes back to painting. The phone stops buzzing. Elaine emerges from her room wearing the same pride shirt with casual jeans and comfortable shoes. She has her hair pulled back. She holds her arms to her sides in a questioning pose. Lita looks her over. Sexy girl next door. Not the intended reaction. Just watch your strut around August. Don't want the poor boy to pass out. Elaine's phone buzzes once. Voicemail. You ducking your parents? Not at all. I just haven't answered their calls for a few days. And on Earth, we call that ducking. Okay, fine, I'm ducking them. Your mom on one of her kicks again? She probably wants to play my brother's birthday party. He turned 19 a few weeks ago. Plus the usual stuff. I'm a horrible disappointment throwing away my life on a useless degree and wasting great potential. I've met your mom. I think you hear very different words than what she says. You don't really know her. No, but I know words. It's what's behind the words. Just give her a chance, you know? That relationship is important. You almost never talk to your mom. Exactly. Elaine looks down awkwardly. I should probably get going. I told Chelsea I would hurry. Have fun. You sure you don't want to come? Lita stops in mid-brushstroke. No, I'm good. Okay. Elaine picks up her phone and starts for the door. Elaine? Elaine stops and turns. You could stay home instead. Yeah, I kind of promised Chelsea weeks ago. I've been working up to this mentally. Lita stares emotionless at Elaine, as if in a trance, before forcing a smile. Right. Of course. I'll see you when I get home. Lita waves her hand to shoo Elaine away. Elaine unlocks the apartment door and hurries out. Lita doesn't look up. Keys. Elaine pops back into the apartment. Keys. Elaine grabs her keys from the table and leaves. Lita keeps painting. Splendor, a club of average size with an excess of bright flashing lights. 
A short line is formed outside, awaiting entry. Most of those in line have pride shirts. Inside the club is crowded, but not wall-to-wall. It contains a bar on one side, a dance floor in the center, and a small stage with benches on the other side. Chelsea mingles with the crowd as she moves through it, smiling, laughing, and affirming each person with a light touch on the shoulder or arm. Chelsea sees a poster that has come partially unattached from the wall. She works her way over to it and reattaches it, and she stands back and looks at the poster to make sure it's level. Elaine approaches Chelsea from behind. How's the perfectionism coming? Chelsea turns and hugs Elaine fiercely. Elaine hugs back but pulls away quickly. Coming from the mistress of perfectionism to a fault, I'll take that as a compliment. To a fault? Did you or did you not once spend over 24 hours agonizing over a text message to Drea? That was an important text. I had to get it right. It was wishing her happy birthday. That's important. It read, and I quote, Happy birthday, Drea. Perfect, no? You didn't finish it until the day after her birthday. But it was otherwise perfect. Of course it was, sweetie. We need drinks. Ginger ale, please. I am well aware of your signature drink, Lainey. It will balance out my two fingers of whiskey. (laughs) We make quite the pair. I'll wait for you by the stage. Chelsea makes a face. The good poets won't start for at least an hour. I'm sure they're all good. Ten minutes later. Elaine and Chelsea sit on a bench in a small crowd of onlookers. They watch a poet performing a slam poem of sorts and sip their drinks. The words come. Biblical locust, girl, my queen. I struggle, contain them. It trickles, pour out, trickle, I love you. Elaine leans over to whisper to Chelsea. Sweet Jesus. I told you. I'm so sorry I didn't listen. They trickle and pour, trickle and pour, dribble, dribble, drop. Elaine watches horrified, as if scarred. Chelsea stifles a laugh as she tries to smile reassuringly. Later that night, Chelsea and Elaine stand at the edge of the dance floor near the bar. They no longer have drinks. One dance? It took a week of coaxing to get me here at all. You'll need way more to get me to dance. This is why God invented frou-frou drinks. Nope. The bartender cut me off after the second ginger ale. Chelsea pouts playfully. Over her shoulder, Elaine sees Hemingway sitting at the bar, drinking a mojito. You saving a dance for August? Elaine immediately looks around. I haven't seen him yet, but he said he was coming. I figured he would. And you still came. That's real growth. It's not a big deal. We're not a thing. Chelsea puts her hands on Elaine's shoulders. Lainey, I'm your biggest supporter. You know that. I'm always on your side. Incoming, but... But, sweetie, in order to be broken up, you actually have to, you know, break up. We did. No, you just kind of stopped acting like you're interested in him. That isn't a breakup. It wasn't that ambiguous. Chelsea gives her a look. Was it? Elaine frets visibly. This is why I shouldn't be allowed to talk to human beings. Like ever. Just lock me up in a peopleless room. No more human interaction for Elaine. Oh, come on. (laughs) It's not entirely my fault. Breaking up is hard. It's really not. Tons of options, just depending on your mood. Supportive bestie. I don't want to ruin our friendship. Total bitch. I'm just not that, like, into you and connoisseur of the classics. (gasps) It's not you. It's me. Elaine smiles more at each one. By the end, she's laughing. (laughs) I'll have to remember this. Uh, Keep them close because August is 20 feet away in closing. Elaine freezes, wide-eyed. August is a 25-year-old grad student and a longtime friend of Elaine and Chelsea. He wears an ally and proud shirt. He approaches the pair. Hey, August! Elaine is still holding her breath. Hey, Chelsea. Great party. Isn't it? Hey, Elaine. Elaine slowly turns to August. 
She exhales loudly and tries to smile. Uh, gotta run. Flamboyant emergency. Later, August. Chelsea squeezes Elaine's arm and then walks into the crowd on the dance floor. August wrings his hands a few times, then shoves them into his pockets. Um, <clears throat> enjoying the party? It's loud. Yeah, being a dance club and all. Yeah, clearly. Elaine looks around nervously, avoiding eye contact. From the bar, Hemingway raises his drink without looking back. You You look look nice. nice. (laughs) August tugs on his pride shirt. This old thing? Elaine smiles. I'm so embarrassed. Everyone else decided to wear the same thing I did. (laughs) Um, You want a drink? Um, yeah, sure. That sounds nice. Ginger ale? Elaine nods. I'm going to use the ladies' room. Cool. Meet you back here with your drink? Elaine nods. They separate. August towards the bar and Elaine towards the front of the club. Elaine weaves through the crowd, trying to make as little contact as possible with the other people. She approaches the restroom and stops. She turns and sees the main entrance a short distance away. She looks at the restroom door, then back to the main entrance. Ten minutes later, August stands in the same spot where he spoke with Elaine, holding a beer bottle and a ginger ale. He looks around and grimaces. Elaine and Lita's apartment building. The elevator door is closed. The numbers above it show the car on floor three and ascending. Four, five, six, up to ten. The elevator doors open. Elaine exits the elevator. She moves slowly with a pained expression and bites her lip. She goes to her apartment door and unlocks it. Elaine enters the apartment. The lights are on. The easel holds Lita's painting in the middle of the living room, but Lita isn't anywhere in sight. Lita? Elaine shuts and locks the door. She walks to the easel and admires the completed painting. This is stunning, Lita. After a few moments, Elaine turns and enters the kitchen. She takes a glass from the cupboard and sets it on the counter. She takes a pitcher of water from the refrigerator, pours some into the glass, and returns the pitcher. Elaine stands at the counter and takes a drink of water. Oh, Elaine, why are you such a coward? A big, fat coward. She takes another drink of water. Poor August... I hope he's not still standing there with a drink in each hand. Elaine looks sad for a moment before she starts to giggle. (laughs) At least he won't be thirsty. (laughs) Elaine sets down her glass and grips the counter while she laughs. Elaine composes herself, picks up the glass, and takes another drink of water. She looks around the apartment and sees a piece of paper on the kitchen table. Elaine walks to the kitchen table and picks up the paper. Her back is to the sliding door that leads out to the balcony. She reads from the paper. The acrobat wins. He stays perfectly balanced on the wire even as he just destroyed me. Double tap between the eyes. We look up at him, but we can't reach him. We climb, but he's always above us. I hope he slips. But it's the rest of us who are falling without a net. You win acrobat. Elaine lowers the paper and stares straight ahead, confused. She takes another drink of water and raises the paper again. Behind Elaine, on the balcony, Lita stands up from her seated position out of Elaine's view. She has her back to the apartment, and with a sliding glass door closed, she cannot hear Elaine. Lita steps to the railing and slowly slides off her flip-flops. Elaine silently reads over the words again and then flips over the paper, where Lita has written a final sentence. I don't really know what else to say, but it's customary to leave a note. Lita. As Elaine reads, Lita steps to the railing and climbs slowly onto it balancing precariously. What? Elaine looks at Lita's bedroom door. 
Lita? Lita teeters on the railing of the balcony. You in there? Elaine looks around the apartment. Lita steps off the railing and drops out of sight a split second before Elaine turns completely around. Elaine looks out at the empty balcony. Lita? If you're struggling with difficult emotions, help is available whenever you need it. You do not need to be thinking about suicide to ask for help. Contact the Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255, or the Crisis Text Line at 741-741. All calls and texts are confidential, so don't hesitate to reach out. Your life matters. Stay tuned for scenes from our next episode. Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten. Executive Producers Chris Burnside, Megan Burnside. Producers Anna Adamy, Joey Ferber, Jenna Gomes, Cece Hutton, Avery Huddle, Grace Poppy, Tavis Taylor. Sound Engineer Dan Seavers. Script Editors Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside. Script Supervisors Cece Hutton, Grace Poppy. Theme song by Joey Ferber, Kelsey Mills, and Ian Mortison. Unwritten was recorded at Megafauna Sound. For more Unwritten, visit our website at unwrittenpodcast.com. On the next episode of Unwritten. I'm Detective Mac. Just wanted to ask you a few questions about what happened tonight. Is that all right? I told August to meet us at the reception. You're welcome. Thank you? You're ice cold, Harper, and that kid does not have a coat. Elaine! Elaine, honey! Elaine's eyes widen as her mother, Sue, rushes over to hug her. We thought it would be a good idea for you to see someone, someone professional, to talk about this. With your history, it may be best. I have news I want to share, but it's about me, and it's good news, so I'll feel like a terrible braggart. Did Lita ever mention the acrobat to you? Mm, don't think so. Why? Who's that? Don't know. Maybe nobody.